You are listening to the Torah Sparks Podcast, the podcast that finds and ignites sparks of spiritual light and meaning in anything and everything, bringing out lessons and values straight from the Holy Torah. I am your host, Ori Strum. Let's jump right in. And we're back. Welcome to another episode of the Torah Sparks Podcast. This week's parsha is Kisavo. Uh, for the quick stats of Kisavo, there are a total of six mitzvos, 122 psokim, 1,747 words, and 6,811 letters. This week's topic is rumba. What's rumba? I mean, what's not rumba? Well, I guess that's not a fair. I mean, there's a lot of things that are not rumba. But what is rumba? Rumba is that circular-shaped vacuum that sits low to the ground and you just press the on button and it goes on its own it's almost as if it has a mind of its own it doesn't actually it's it's just like robotic it's not a real um it's not a real living thing although kids naturally fascinatingly are like freaked out from rumba when it's running but you ever want to know how do you clean a room and by the way, this isn't like an advertisement for Rumba. I'm literally going to share um, an insight into our Torah based on Rumba. So just hold your horses. H- how do you clean a room without actually doing much? That's when we introduce Rumba. Or you might have whatever off-brand version. But Rumba, it's the name of that small circular-shaped robot vacuum that travels by itself along the floor, taking in as much dust and crumbs that it can. Um, in fact, I own one of these robot vacuums. I believe we won it in some type of um, one of these uh, one of these things where you win stuff. Okay, um, I, I, and honestly, I've been pleasantly surprised to how efficient Roomba works. One of my pet peeves when it comes to vacuum cleaners is that. Generally speaking, when you turn them on, they, they, they have like that same decibel level of noise as a helicopter. It's it just like, it's so annoying. The Roomba, it, 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 when the motor's running, it's it's honestly, it's not that loud and it's it doesn't disturb so much. And one of the main, uh, one of the main pr- things that make Roomba so great is that due to its sleek design, the Roomba can maneuver hard-to-reach areas such as underneath a couch or chairs underneath a table, things where places where otherwise you'd have harder access to get there. So so again, why in the world am I discussing Roomba, the Roomba robot vacuum in this in this podcast? Um, so it happened maybe a year or so ago, maybe two years ago actually at this point, um, where something happened with Roomba in our home, and I'd like to explain to you an idea based on that. Uh, one of the features of Roomba is its ability to communicate with a human. Obviously, it doesn't actually talk, but via Bluetooth, the Roomba is connected to the fo- to your phone, with your smartphone, and when something happens, let's say the Roomba gets stuck, or it's low in battery, or the Roomba's lost, or whatever, it sends a message, like in, a, in the form of a text message, to the person's phone, basically asking for assistance. So it was, so the Roomba was going around my home, and all of a sudden I get an alert on my phone. It says, and I quote, Roomba is stuck near a cliff. Okay, so 
just for the record, nowhere in my home do I own a cliff. Like, what does that mean? Roomba is stuck near home. Like, it definitely didn't go outside of my home and travel, uh, you know, hundreds of miles to, you know, to the Grand Canyon. Like, what is it talking about? Roomba is stuck near a cliff. So I got up, I walked over to the robot vacuum, eager to see what the cliff that it got stuck on was, and lo and behold, Roomba was sitting on the base of a standalone pedestal fan. Can you guess how high that cliff was? I actually took out a ruler to sh just to know for a fact that it was about two inches high. Yeah, that's right, two inches high. Again, the pedestal of a fan, like the bottom part of the fan, has a slight incline. In Roomba's eyes, it got stuck on that, and it viewed that small two-inch cliff, uh, cliff as a, it viewed it as a cliff, the incline, it viewed that small incline as a cliff. And it's really got me thinking, from Roomba's perspective, it was stuck on a cliff. Poor thing must have felt so scared and nervous. But in reality, it wasn't stuck on a cliff, it was stuck on a plastic base of a fan that was two inches in height. And, and this really got me thinking, I'm like, how often in life do we think we are quote-unquote, stuck on a cliff, on a big cliff. How often in life do we get bogged down from a gigantic cliff that seems to be impeding our way? How often in life do we find ourselves so scared and nervous because in our eyes, we think we are stuck in whatever life challenge we are facing? And my friends, the truth of the matter is, if a person does not have Hashem, if the person does not have a God in their life, and if their Amuna does not exist, so then yes, almost every life problem and roadblock that comes up over the course of one's life will have the appearance of a gigantic cliff. And indeed, the circumstances will most probably be quite scary and alarming. If a person has no way, if, not no way, but if a person has no one to rely on for assistance, even a two-inch fan base will have the appearance of a large cliff. However, my friends, if a person has a Muna in Hashem and believes that he is constantly there, right by his side, assisting him in every aspect of his life, what might seem to be a gigantic cliff will morph into a two-inch fan, will morph into that two-inch base of a fan, to that pedestal, which is much smaller. With Hashem in one's life, problems become a lot smaller and issues become a lot weaker. A person's ability to overcome challenges in life is dependent on his or her ability to incorporate Hashem into his life. The greater presence of Hashem in his life, the smaller the challenging cliff becomes. That's not to say it's easy and everything just gets brushed under the rug, but it becomes that much more uh, meaningful. Um, it's viewed more as opportunities. There's ways to better ways to cope it and deal with it when Hashem is a factor in one's life. At the beginning of this week's parsha, Parshas Kisavo, the Torah tells us that when a person brings the bikurim, the first fruits, to the Beis Hamikdash, he should proclaim the following. 
and I'll say it in English, an Armenian sought to be the destroyer of my forefather. So we cried out to Hashem, and I'm paraphrasing, and Hashem heard our voice. He saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And Hashem took us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Bikurim carries with it a lesson in Emunah. Yes, the Jewish people have challenges, but because Hashem is with us, no challenge is too much to overcome. Hashem is always by our side, whispering, don't you worry, that cliff that you think you are stuck by is not that big. I am here to assist you. And when Hashem assists you, then matters become, again, It things might still be challenging, but when Hashem is involved and when Hashem is in the picture, then that cliff slowly morphs into something so much smaller. So, my friends, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Torah Sparks podcast. I hope you enjoyed. Please share, please rate, please leave a review. And, Amir Hashem, we'll see you next time.